I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. All right, bless his holy name. Um, Hi, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Hey, if you're new here tonight or your friend drug you and you had no idea what you were getting into or your significant other threatened that your relationship was going no further until you came to Kairos, just relax. Um, We're a quirky family, but we're a family. Uh, And tonight we're going to have a family meal. I'm delighted that you're here. Feel no pressure to participate if you want to simply observe. We're just delighted uh, that you decided to join us. Uh, For those of us who are family, um, my job tonight is kind of like my job has always been uh, during Thanksgiving holidays. I have nothing to offer when it comes to the meal, but my mom wanted to give me some responsibility, so I felt some pride, so I got to set the table. And so, once again, I'm in that role. I'm just setting the table. And we're not here to praise the silverware and the napkins. We're here to celebrate the fact that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And we're inviting you to that table, and we'd love for you to experience the glory and goodness of Jesus. Uh, I had a guy, uh, Eric, who was discipling me for a season in my life, and we were talking about creating spiritual family and just talking about how difficult it is to carve out rhythms in your already busy life. And he just said, Chris, family is never not work. Actually, I think he said family is always work, but I tried to make it as uh, creative and obscure as possible. So family is never not work. That goes for your physical family. That goes for your spiritual family. When people come together, it's just work. Now, it's worth it, but it's work. This is something um, I'm trying to teach uh, my oldest son, Simon, AKA Scooter. He's not here tonight, so I'm definitely throwing him under the bus. Um, He turned 13 this year and he is on his journey towards manhood. And so we're trying to do some intentional things to usher that in, but he is all up on the puberty train. Woo, woo, next stop, body odor and shaving twice a year. Good thing is his dad doesn't need the razors. So um, we're trying to navigate some of those awkward conversations. You're welcome. Um, but I'm also trying to teach him, hey, part of being this family means you have rights and responsibilities. We, we have play, but we also have purpose. Um, and so we're trying to make sure we try to instill a work ethic, but not, you know, totally destroy his spirit. And so one Saturday morning, when normally he's gearing up for eight hours on Call of Duty, supplied by soda and saltine crackers, uh, much to my surprise, in the middle of my quiet times, I look up and uh, he said, dud. <laughs> you got some work I can do. And so I fainted. Um, Some people call it slain in the spirit. Uh, When I I woke up, I said, son, you'll never believe I just had a vision that you asked me for work to do. And he's like, it was real. (laughs) And I said, I don't, but I'll figure something out. (laughs) And so we'd already started the lawn business. So he went out and I said, cut the lawn and I'll figure something out to do afterwards. So after he got done his zigzag pattern um, and that bad haircut that my lawn got, I said, Scooter, have you ever washed a car before? And he's like, no, which to confess to you, he's never seen his parents do it before. Um, we're not that meticulous car people, okay? We're neighbors with meticulous car people. Um, we do it maybe once a year when it's just embarrassing and disgusting and borderline a health hazard. Um, we've got a minivan that's seen like two tours um, in war-torn areas called elementary school and junior high. Um, there are goldfish that are seeking their freedom from five years ago. 
I guarantee you there's a, a sonic crouton, crouton um, a tater tot in there that is petrified. And there are gummies that are never coming out of the carpet. That's just, that's how we rock the minivan. And then I inherited a Jeep from Popsicle, uh, my father-in-law, and uh, it just, uh, it, it stays dirty all the time. And when it rains, rather than washing it, I just go out and get a fresh coat of mud, because that's how I roll, Tennessee redneck pastor. And so um, when I look at him, I'm like, this is going to keep him busy for at least eight hours. He'll probably give up, but at least uh, I'll have some peace and quiet this Saturday. So I go out about six hours later, and my goodness, if the Shekinah glory of God didn't shine right down on our uh, driveway, clouds parted, and I mean, the message was ringing out in our neighborhood, the Brooks have clean vehicles. Crowds were gathering. My meticulous car neighbor who washes his car twice a week in the cold because it actually deserves it is like, wow, Chris, that looks amazing. I didn't even know what color your Jeep was. And I said, it's dull gray. You're welcome. And so I I was so proud of Simon because family takes work. And he decided that if the message was going to ring out the Brooks family has clean vehicles, he needed to do some work. I think that's kind of been the journey and the message that we've been on as we've gone through 1 Thessalonians. We realize that family is never not work, that it's relationship and responsibility, that it's play and purpose, and that the Thessalonians are learning that the gospel came not simply in words, but also power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. And we're going to find in Paul's closing words in this letter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 how he's going to encourage and instruct them to continue to ring out with the gospel message. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. We'll also put it up on the screen so that you can read along and we'll start in verse 12. While you're turning there, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always, be, always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I'll say the word of the Lord if you say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So do you remember our journey so far? It's work by faith, labor by love, and endure by hope. 
When we talked about working by faith, we were reminded in chapter one that Paul said the gospel came to you not simply in words, but also power, the Holy Spirit, and with a deep conviction. We try to put up chalkboard quotes every night when you're walking out that kind of anchor in some of our bottom line statements to serve as kind of a visual liturgy. We're so thankful for Libby and her creativeness and her artistic abilities that help us out with that. And so those will remind us on the screen also of some of our bottom line statements. So we remember that the gospel didn't come simply in words, but in power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. And then the next week we went on and we talked about how we're going to labor by love. And Paul said, we weren't simply content to share the gospel with you. We wanted to share our very lives as well. And Captain Purdom talked to us about the discipleship triangle. It's imitation or information, imitation, and then innovation. And we were reminded that our faith is personal, but it's not private. And then in Enduring by Hope, we took a look at what it would look like for us to hang on to the hope that Jesus is coming again. And we were reminded that the Thessalonians, they turned away from dead and deadly idols and turned towards the true and living God. And we were reminded that let us not only ask for forgiveness, but ask for faithfulness. And it seems now that Paul, in his concluding remarks, has something else to remind them and encourage them of. Because he says in chapter one that the gospel message rang out. And now it's not just your community, it's the community outside of your community and outside of your community that's heard about you because of the way that you're living and loving one another. And then he's telling us just simply, hey, here's some basic gospel principles to live life by, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Respect one another, live at peace with one another, try to forgive one another, be joyful, be prayerful, and be thankful. Don't quench the Holy Spirit, don't put out his fire, but hold on to what is good. And then there's the last knockout punch. The one who called you is faithful to do it. And I don't know what you're in the middle of right now, but some of you just needed to be reminded of that. The one who called you is faithful to do it. I went back out um, I left a little bit out of the story that I told you about Simon cleaning our vehicles. Um, I had to go out about three hours into it, and he did, did a decent job with the minivan. I mean, it was acceptable. Um, and then he was on to the Jeep. Now, the Jeep is like eight layers caked in mud. And I just gave him some short instructions, gave him the materials, and just assumed in my mind, it's washing a car. Every person should know how to do this. Hose it off real quick, get the soap, get the rag, you'll be fine. But I go out and see him cleaning the Jeep and it's not clean at all. All it is is a total smear job of mud, grit, and grime. The mud is not coming off and all he's doing is just smearing in a big circle. And I'm standing back watching going, what is he thinking? And as he smears the dirt around like this, he's, he's hosed it to wet it, but then he's just rubbing it with the cloth and then he looks and just adds more soap straight to the cloth. <laughs> Rubs it some more, adds some more soap to the cloth. And I'm like, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. That's my fault. I went out and I said, dude, I'm sorry. I, I forgot the discipleship triangle. I gave you information and walked away. Apparently, you needed imitation. Uh, so what you need, buddy, is a bucket of soapy water. So two things that you need to know. Once that rag gets really dirty, you got to wring it out. And then we're going to plunge it into soapy water so that it can absorb and soak in that clean water 
so that you have enough suds and water to wipe all of that grit and grime away. I wonder if that's not the message of Thessalonians when he says, when we are wrung out, the gospel will ring out. When I told him to ring it out, uh, he didn't know how to do it. I said, buddy, just take it with two hands, grip it, and then twist it. And you got to get all the dirt out and then immerse it in the soapy, clean water so that you have what it takes to do the job you asked to do. I wonder if that's not what we need to come to the table with tonight. In just a second, we're going to do a corporate confession of sins. And that's to wring out the sin, the grit, and the grime that we've accumulated. And then we're going to soak up and soak in the gospel goodness through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So that when we walk out of here, if we are wrung out, the gospel will ring out. When you're under pressure and circumstances that are pressing in on every side, is the gospel what comes out? Or is it old ways of living? Is it repaying wrong for wrong? Is it to live in conflict instead of peace? Is it to be resentful instead of joyful? Instead of being prayerful, are we worried and anxious? But the gospel says that we can be joyful and thankful and hopeful in the midst of all circumstances. Now, don't miss the theology that's hidden in Thessalonians. All of this is not anchored in your effort. It's anchored in the gospel. It's gripped with two things. One is Christ has come. Christ has died and Christ has risen. And the other hand is Christ will come again. And the tension and the torque of lives lived in the grip of the gospel when they are wrung out the gospel will ring out. Amen? So I'm going to come up to the table and say some of the ancient words that the church has said for generations, and I invite you to be a part of it. We'll put it on the screen as well. Just take a minute to center yourself on the person of Jesus. And these words that we're going to use are just a way for us to wring out any of the sin, the shame, or the impurities that we've collected, and then to prepare our hearts to soak up and soak in the gentleness of Jesus and the glory of God. Blessed be the Lord who forgives all of our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthy magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us take a minute to confess our sins against God and our neighbor.
Let us pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. On the night Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is the blood of my new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, church, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Amen. I'm going to invite our servers to come up to the tables at this point. We'll have four tables at the front here and two back by the soundboard. When you come forward, um, I'll have the bleachers come in just a second because that helps with traffic flow. Lauren's going to have the wafers. And if you'll just come forward and place your hands one on top of the other, she'll put a wafer in your hand and she'll say the bread of heaven. And then hang on to that. You'll take it, dip it in the cup, and I'll say the cup of salvation. As you dip it, you can eat it right here. You don't have to drip all the way back to your seat. That's fine. But if you truly meant the words that we just said together, you're welcome at this table. You are God's children, and he has made you holy because the cross has made you worthy. So bleachers, whenever you're ready, you can come and then... Lord, we'll wait on them and let them eat first.